welcome back to another episode of the Filipino American Woman Project. And this is a special time because at the time of this recording, it is Filipino American History Month. And as always, I'm your co-host, Jen Amos. Did I say my name already? Let me go ahead and bring on our co-host, who is also, who's actually out of town. And fortunately, we were able to snatch her and get her on the phone. Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. Hey, everyone. Cool. So happy to have you. And last but not least, Nani and I, or at least for me, I was very adamant about having our guest on this month because I think this is a super special month for her considering her background. So let me go ahead and introduce you all to Sapphire Sandalo, who is the creator of the web series and podcast called Something Scary, where she told ghost stories, emphasizing those from Filipino origins. Today, she hosts the Stories with Sapphire podcast and other fun facts about Sapphire. She is an independent animator, a teacher at Loyola Marymount University, Los Angeles, or LMU for short, and a paranormal, actually our unofficial residential paranormal expert, um, and is also on the Travel Channel. And fun fact, she has a new podcast show coming out. She is the co-host of a horror podcast. I had a problem pronouncing horror before this horror podcast for Alter Weekly. Sapphire, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me again. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm so happy that you said yes, too, because I know that this is a very special month for you. Tell us a little bit about why you love October. Oh, my goodness. So October obviously has Halloween, so it's very spooky, (laughs) all about the spooky stuff. And it's also Filipino American History Month. Mm -hmm. So I have been hosting a series called Breaking the Tabo. There's a total of, I believe, six episodes that are going to be out. There's, I think by the time this comes out, they'll be all they'll all come out. They'll all be out. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm (laughs) can you tell I'm like still waking up? Um, (laughs) Yes. Okay. um, Aren't we all? (laughs) So the series, each episode deals with an issue that's important to the Filipino American community. So things like representation in Hollywood, the Filipino American history stories that we haven't heard in history class and body shaming. I don't know if that Mm. one's come out yet, but Mm -hmm. probably at the time of this recording, it'll be out. I feel like I would say I know it's not out yet because I totally binge watched all the series, like the videos so far. Um, before we got started here and I was almost like late to my other meeting because I was like oh my gosh like, I really <laughs> like I didn't even prepare my notes for like almost the other meeting I had to like like pull it up in my head like pull it out as fast as I could for that next meeting and I know I don't know if Nani if you've seen it yet but we'll get into it so you can get up to date with what we're talking about but those yeah. are extremely crucial and pivotal and just needed you know for this time Nani you said yes so I just want to see did you get a chance to watch those yet No, I was going to say I hadn't, but I'm looking forward to you guys being able to catch me up here and whatever of our other listeners who haven't had a chance to see them either. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll definitely include that in the show notes. So I thought I'd take a minute to talk about it because as I said, I was binge watching it. So it's like fresh (laughs) in mind for me. And there's a couple things that stood out to me. But first of all, how did this opportunity come up for you, Sapphire? Yeah, so this is produced by One Down Media. It's just a group of Filipino people who their goal is to create content that deals with important issues to the Filipino American community and basically redefine what it means to be Filipino American. And I first heard about them last year, I believe. They released a video that went pretty viral. You might have seen it. It was a video about mental health in the Filipino American community, Mm. but it was told through dancing. Like oh, hip hop wow. dance and contemporary dance. And I remember thinking, 
I want to work with these people one day. And I think I talk about this the last time I came here, but I'm very much like a manifester. Like I will make stuff happen. Everyone should be making a vision board. Um, (laughs) So I just tried, I figured out how to contact them and I emailed them and I was just like, hey, I always want to connect with other Filipino Americans doing really cool stuff for our community. And so we met up. We just kind of talked and hung out and didn't really come up with something to collaborate on. But I then a couple months ago saw like a casting notice for a Filipino American web series and they were looking for a host. And I was like, oh, this sounds like something that you know I could do. And it wasn't until after I was cast that I realized, oh, it's for them. <laughs> so we oh, ended wow. up collaborating on something, which, yeah, and it's been great. <laughs> Yeah, that's really awesome how, I mean, and going back to, we had you back in episode 52 here at the Filipino American Woman Project back in March, pre-pandemic times. What was that? uh, (laughs) Yeah, like what, like what was life like? Like, it's so bizarre. Like we all are just cooped up in our houses right now and continue to do that. So going back to that episode, you talked a lot about putting together a vision board. And Mm -hmm. essentially every time you put a vision board together, your, your dreams came true you were able to manifest a lot of those things. And so I just think, you know, just as a recap for people that didn't listen to that last episode, just tell us a little briefly, like, why do you stress the importance of putting together a vision board? So I think when vision boards became mainstream was when that book, The Secret came out. And I think when Mm. a lot of people hear the term or they think about or what what they know of it, they think, oh, you're just going to put together a bunch of photos and then magically your life's going to change. Like, okay. (laughs) But really, it's so much deeper than that. It's an exercise in truly figuring out what it is that you want. Because honestly, things don't come to you if you don't know what you want to come Mm -hmm. to you. And when you're truly focused, then it just makes it a lot easier. So really what a vision board is, it's an activity for you to really think about, okay, what do I want my life to look like? And you're making like a mood board for your life. And so you put photos that inspire you, photos that remind you of your goals. That way, every time you look at it, it's reminding you of that feeling and reminding you, okay, what is important? And that way you weed out the things that are not serving you. You know, you're like Marie Kondo in your life. So (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I really like that. You know, I mean, even till this day, I should probably tell myself to put a vision board together. I mean, I have something no different. I I have a, I have a Trello board, but it's not okay. really a vision board. It's more like, you know, like keeping the, the main projects in mind. It's not really about like my future, which that's kind of sad to think. I don't think about my future, but when it comes to my projects. <laughs> You're living in the present. That's fine. Yeah, very much in the present. I mean, I think if there's anything the pandemic has taught us is to yes. be extremely present and focus on what you can do and focus on what you have in front of you. And that's been very much like my life, even prior to the pandemic, because I'm in the startup life with my husband and our business. It's very much like, okay, what can we do now? But anyway, that is sort of my version of a vi- it's more like a present board, not a vision okay. board. Because it's, <laughs> that that's, like, that's the closest thing I have. I remember we had this conversation, I think when you were visiting here last year, Jen, in December about making vision boards. And back then you were like, yeah, it's really not my thing, but I'm going to try it. So maybe we can try again this year. Yeah, we'll see. It's like how I say I need to meditate more and I still haven't done that. So there you um, go. Yeah, that's just something that our listeners are going to have to like harp me on and be like, Jen, vision board and meditate. And I'm like, (laughs) maybe, maybe I'll put that on my Trello board. How about that? There you go. (laughs) But uh, no, that's awesome. Well, Sapphire, again, so I just want to go back to talking about breaking the table because I really think that in this time, people should watch it 
especially our fellow Filipino Americans. So a couple things that stood out to me so far with the episodes that came out is the one episode you have about Hollywood representation Mm -hmm. and how there isn't enough Filipino, like actual authentic Filipino representation. So a couple of shows that you guys gave a shout out to that I love is first of all, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend with Vincent Rodriguez III. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I was like, I Your remember boyfriend. So, <laughs> so uh, yes, yes, Nani. Yeah. I jokingly said he's my boyfriend, but he's married and he's gay. So I'm just like, just <laughs> damn it. I missed it. But anyway, I loved that show. And I remember when I discovered it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a Filipino male lead and he's desirable. Like mm-hmm. people, you know, and I think he had like a love triangle at one point from, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember at this point, but I just remember like, I just loved it. And they had like karaoke in there and they really like incorporated Filipino food in there and Filipino culture and even other Filipino Americans as actors. So I just really loved, like, I just loved that representation. And then also the good place is what I'm currently yes. watching with Manny Hasinko or Has- uh, Hasinko. I'm obsessed with <laughs> yeah that show like really gets you thinking about your mortality quite often and like yes. your morals and like okay am I gonna end up in the good place or the bad place but the biggest thing that stood out to me about that video Sapphire is when you said that people of color aren't interchangeable. And Mm -hmm. that's a lot what Hollywood does is it just like mix and mingles like all the Asians and just batches them all together. And so that to me was like, yeah, that's so true. Like a lot of Filipinos that are in Hollywood don't play Filipino roles. Mm -hmm. So, And I think, I don't know if you felt this way too, but when I was younger, you know, finding out that certain actors were Filipino was kind of, it felt like a win. It was like, oh, that's so cool. But like, Mm -hmm. it didn't, I guess, I felt because I also did not grow up in a community where there were a lot of Filipinos, so it was very rare. I remember thinking, oh, it makes sense that they're not playing a Filipino person because people don't know what Filipino people are. Like, even as a kid, I knew that like, oh, people don't know what Filipino is, which is really sad. Yeah. (laughs) But also speaking of sort of this mixing of Asians. I don't know if either of you have seen the recent trailer for the new Disney movie, Raya and the Last Dragon, or at least have heard of it. I saw a snippet of it, but if you want to, for the listeners who haven't heard about it. Right. So, I mean, I've got a lot of feelings about Disney. (laughs) I'll be real. (laughs) It's so... I feel like Sapphire years ago probably would have been like, yeah, Ryan the Last mm. Dragon, we've getting our Asian princess, hell yeah. But looking at it now as an older adult, I kind of see it as just another version of colonization in a way, because mm. what I see is, okay, here's this giant corporation that is taking elements of a lot of different Southeast Asian cultures, not just one, because that would be too narrow and that wouldn't attract mm. a broad audience. That wouldn't bring in as much money. So mm. it's sort of just this mishmash of all of these cultures that are very different. But, ooh, it's like supposed to, you know, we're supposed to think like, oh, we can spot like the Filipino parts and whatever. But like to me, that's not accurate representation. Mm. But then also the fact that they're going to be selling merch that's inspired by Filipino cultures, Vietnamese cultures. Like Mm. it makes me feel like this is colonization masquerading as representation. And I don't know if I'm the only person that feels that way, but I feel that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen the trailer or heard much about like the content of that Mm. Raya movie. I don't know if out already or it's coming out in 2022. I don't know. Well, they released the trailer pretty recently, so I don't know when the movie's actually coming out. 
Oh, okay. Um, so it's not yeah. out. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I missed something, but it reminds me of that other. I don't know if it was by Disney or Pixar or one of the other big companies that put out that short cartoon about Magellan. I don't remember yeah. what it was called, but if you saw that at first, it made me feel the same way. Like, oh, representation on like a major platform. And then when I actually watched it and saw that they were painting Magellan as like some hero that came and saved the Philippines and, you know, the way in which the, the narrative was painted was kind mm-hmm. of like, oh, this is the exact opposite of what we're looking for. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I I don't yeah. think it was a major studio because I remember hearing about that too. I can't remember what studio it was. But another issue that I have with Raya and the Last Dragon is when I heard that there's two directors, both of them are white males who had never mm. directed a feature mm-hmm. before. So mm-hmm. like... It, if they were like, you know, really experienced people and they're like, yeah, we wanted like the best, then that would have made a little bit more sense to me. But the fact that neither of them had directed a feature means they could have absolutely given that chance to two Southeast Asian directors, but they didn't. Mm. And I yeah. don't know. <laughs> mm. Man, it's, you know, it's so crazy because it's like, and I appreciate you saying that, Sapphire, because I think that I would do the same. I'd be like, oh, representation. I could see my color, you know, the skin of my color on the big screen. Like, that's amazing. But I just love that you're just saying, like, that's not good enough. And that's not a good not. representation of us. Like, that's just a watered down version or mm-hmm. a collection of other, you know, Asian or Pacific Islander type of references, like put into one. And I just really like, you know, sometimes we have to look at the media that we are consuming and really kind of like pull behind the curtains and see who's orchestrating it. Mm-hmm. And to know, like, I didn't even know that to know that the directors behind it are white men, you're just like, huh, so this is going to be through their lens. And not through the lens of people such as ourselves. The writer is the writer from Crazy Rich Asians. And it's so funny because, I mean, I've been reading up about this. So like all the articles, they emphasize like, look, we've got the writer from Crazy Rich Asians. She's Malaysian. Oh, we've got Kelly Marie Tran. She's Asian. You know, just emphasizing all of that. But then I'm like, "Mm, but the directors are so white. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. It's more so about who's behind the scenes crafting the story than it is who's being represented in the actual film sometimes. So that's a, a good point to point out. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely worth a discussion. And just I hope we encourage our listeners to, you know, think twice and to really challenge the media that you're consuming and know who's behind the scenes. And so I think this is a, a good conversation or a good starting conversation for people to do that and to be encouraged to look behind the scenes, really. Another video, a couple other ones that had stood out to me where the conversation about Philippine X, you know, Mm -hmm. the difference between Filipino and Philippine X and how do you identify? And personally, for me, I have always felt uncomfortable using the term Philippine X, partly because I wasn't educated on it. And even now, after watching that video that you guys put on, is that I still feel uncomfortable using Philippine X. But I do like how at the end of the video, you encourage people to choose your label. Like, you know, one thing you said there that stood out to me was labels are products of specific places in time. And so for me, if I feel most comfortable identifying as a Filipino American woman, then that's completely okay. And it's okay if I don't feel comfortable being identifying as Philippine X. 
I've even seen sometimes, and this wasn't really in the video, but I've seen sometimes when people put Pinoy or they'll put the replace the O with the X. Um, so it's kind of like Pinoy X in a way. And, and so I never entirely understood that. And so I appreciated that video to really break down the history of Filipino, Filipino not even being what the inhabitants were initially called amongst those islands, you know, and in the end, deciding for yourself, like what you want to be labeled as. Yeah. And it, you know, it makes it really tricky. I mean, I think because the Philippines was not a country before it became the Philippines, it was, you know, a vast range of ethnic groups. Like even from the beginning, there was like divide, there, there, there were divisions. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so I mm-hmm. feel like there's so many things that divide the Filipino community. Like if you are a giraffe, like from the, you know, you were born in America, you're different from the ones who were born in the Philippines, or there's so many different ways that we can find differences among us. And I, I don't know, like, I, cause I also go back and forth with the term Philippinex, just mm-hmm. because I feel like that also divides us again further. So it's like, I do believe that everyone should use the term that they feel comfortable with, but I think it also just makes me a little bit sad that we don't have something that truly unifies us, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Nani, I, want, I feel like I have to like verbally check in with you, Nani, because I can't see your face. So <laughs> what's know. going on with you? <laughs> no, I mean, oh, I, yeah. ha- I haven't seen the video that you guys are talking about, but for me, I use uh, Philippine X when I'm like writing something that I'm going to publish online Mm -hmm. to be inclusive, not necessarily because it's how I identify. Mm. I personally would still say Filipina if I was talking about myself, but just to be inclusive and as non-offensive as possible. I think that for a lot of people, that's also why they do Filipina X or the Mm -hmm. Pinay with the X instead of the A or the O. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for saying that. And I just thought if our listeners, I just I feel like I need to mention this because I didn't mention this at the beginning. If our listeners are watching this via video and you're wondering who that voice is, that's not on screen. That's Nani. <laughs> so Nani, Nani is calling in. I realized I didn't do that in the last video. So you kind of hear it's it kind of just seems like there's a, a voice just like talking out of thin air. Um, but that's okay because it's Filipino American History Month slash Halloween month. So yeah. it's okay. But yeah, and and Nani, it's absolutely okay that you didn't watch these videos. But I think it's more it's more so How about like you. just <laughs> Yeah, it's more <laughs> it's it's more okay now you have to watch it. But it's more about the discussion that comes out of it, you know, and like Philippine X being that. And there's there's another video too about like that's come out so far at the time of this recording, you know, can Filipinos claim as Pacific Islander or Asian, which I encourage our listeners to check out as well. The the last video, the most current one that's out is about Filipino American history month. And you said something really powerful toward the end there in in the, in the video. And it went, you know, Filipino American history is American history. Mm -hmm. And I think very often because a lot of us were essentially robbed of not learning about our history when we start to learn about it, we feel like it's not American history because it's not in the, you know, the public school system. And so I just love how you're just bold enough to say, or at least your team and collectively the whole team. The writers. The writers. <laughs> the right, give it to the writers. Yeah. The writers were bold enough to say that Filipino American history is American history mm-hmm. because it absolutely is. Totally. And yeah. And it, even the fact that we have that like distinction. It's like Filipino American history versus American history. It's like right now, obviously, we do have to make that distinction, but mm-hmm. like it should just be part of 
American history. It should be under that same umbrella. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, a lot of the things that were in that video were things I just learned about mm-hmm. as I was reading the scripts. Right, right, for sure. No, <laughs> so, I could, I could yeah. only imagine when you're reading it, you're like, oh, that's it. Because I, I mean, even mm-hmm. for me, part of why Nani and I do the show is because we want to create a space for people who essentially know more than us to share, <laughs> you know, to share like what they know. And so I can only imagine, like, obviously, I'm not looking at this video and think, oh, my God, Sapphire is amazing. She knows everything. <laughs> she did everything. I'm not thinking that. I know that you guys, One Down and Kumu, collectively made this happen. And it's just, it's just so wonderful that before, you know, I'm here interviewing you that I was able to watch those videos, you know, and, and you happen to be the, the host of these, of these video series. Yeah. Or, or just like, I mean, these are things that I never learned in school. So like the fact that like, I'm also learning this as we're making it, I'm just like, holy crap. Like it, it just added another reminder of how much we all don't know <laughs> about <Yeah>. anything. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's a part of American history that's been cut out, like a lot of it. And so we're all kind of learning and teaching as we go or teaching as we learn. And I think that's also a part of what makes this kind of new community that we've been building so special um, is that there's not, you know, everyone's a teacher and a learner at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautifully said. Well, again, I just wanted to touch upon that because I think it's so needed and it's it's crucial, I think, for this time. And I highly encourage people to check out Breaking the Tablet series with Sapphire in collaboration with One Down and Kumu. So glad I got that out of the way. Let's go ahead and shift gears and talk about why we brought you on the show, Sapphire, for this <laughs> special month. Because as we know, I have dubbed you the unofficial residential <laughs> paranormal expert <laughs> here on our show. I have yet to run into another Panay to be as obsessed about this as you. So really? I, I'm serious. Nani, have you run into anyone? <laughs> oh, no, you are one of a kind. Yeah. <laughs> that's so weird to me just yeah. because I feel like every well I mean everyone in my family is like obsessed with this stuff so oh, I love it <laughs> well why don't we start with okay so that makes a lot of sense probably like you know just having that environment but let's talk yeah. a little bit about that and how did you find yourself just you know getting into the paranormal just everything and I don't know because for me like, I don't like to get into those things. You know, I don't like to go to haunted houses. I don't like, I don't like that stuff, you know, but you like it. So tell me, where does does that come from for you? So I will apologize if I repeat anything that I've mentioned the last time I was on here. I truly don't remember what I brought up. That's okay. This is, this will encourage people if they want to take a deeper dive with you to go back to episode 52, but go ahead and repeat yourself. (laughs) Well, we'll find out. We'll watch a replay. We'll listen to that one later. Like I said that, but anyway, cool. So When I was younger, I actually was a huge scaredy cat when I was a kid. I still kind of am. I'm a scaredy cat when it comes to things that I think put me in real danger. Like I don't do extreme sports. I don't go skydiving. (laughs) Things where I'm like, if I die doing this and someone might think, oh, well, what does she expect? Like those are things I don't do. (laughs) (laughs) But I think part of why I love horror specifically is because in a way it it gives me that same brush, but I still feel safe. Like I'm, mm. I know I'm not going to die while watching a horror movie or right. going through like an interactive haunted house. Like I know it's all fake, but when I was younger, I definitely was terrified of all of that stuff, but I was still intrigued. It was this weird, like kept going back and forth between like, I, I was like scared of going into like, <laughs> 
I'm just remembering this right now. When I was little and I needed to go upstairs and no one else was up there, the lights were off. I'd always have to ask my parents, can someone go upstairs with me? Because I did not like being up there on my own. So like, yeah, just a total wuss. But I also loved hearing ghost stories. Like I Mm. loved getting that little chill. And I think I think all kids really love it because it makes you feel a way that nothing else does Mm. because it's that safe that safe feeling of fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what really like solidified my obsession with ghost stories and the paranormal were the stories that my grandpa used to tell us because he mm. had, according to him, he had run-ins with all types of things. So like witches, fairies, giants, aswang. Um, ooh, and I have a little, <laughs> this is a little um, Mananangal. Oh, oh my God. Oh my gosh. That's the only <laughs> one I know. Where it's like she like detaches herself from her body. This is my absolute favorite thing. So I know if you're listening to this, you can't see, but it's a little like plush doll of a Mananangal. And so basically (laughs) it's, (laughs) I love her so much. She's my favorite creature. So it's basically a, she looks like a woman during the day. And then at night she separates her upper body from her legs. So Mm. her legs, she just leaves on the ground. And then she grows these giant bat wings and then she flies around. She looks for pregnant women specifically. <laughs> and so she, if she finds a pregnant woman, she'll shoot her long skinny tongue into her belly button, like scoop out the fetus oh and then God. fly back to her <laughs> legs. <laughs> I didn't know that much that. <laughs> so if you want an abortion, Why? I'm not saying yes. that I support abortion. I'm not saying anything political right now, but if you are looking for that route, then look into that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. And I think, I mean, I'm, I don't know this for sure, but I think the general consensus is that that particular story grew out of, or that particular piece of folklore was the explanation for miscarriages. You know, so like if a woman woke oh. up and the baby was no longer alive, then it's like, oh, I was visited by one of these in the night. I think mm. that and also like, I don't know if you've seen these photos of those giant, I forget what they're called. I think they're called sky foxes. I'm not entirely sure, but they're literally bats that are like four or five feet tall. Oh my God. Huge. And I'm wondering if, you know, people saw those flying back in the day and it kind of looks like that might be like half a person. And so maybe that's also part of where this came from too. Wow. Very fascinating. I think it's really interesting how like Filipino folklore is so dark and twisted, (laughs) at least it seems that way. But if you think about like how it's been created or where these superstitions, if you will, have ultimately come from, it's like how to explain it having a miscarriage. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of the way that I'm interpreting it now is it's been a way for people to cope with a lot of the things that go on in our everyday lives mm-hmm. that are in reality, very dark and twisted, you know, like having miscarriages. And so I don't know, it's, it's interesting to look at it from that lens of like a coping mechanism rather than just some random, like really dark and twisted made up figure or story, you know? Totally. I mean, that's really all folklore is. They're just stories that explain things to us that we may not understand. Um, right. I think one of my favorite things about Filipino folklore is how it also teaches people to treat things with respect, like when it comes to nature. Like I, I'm mm. sure you, or maybe you don't, maybe you've heard of that superstition where if you're walking through like a wooded area or like forest or something, you're supposed to say tabi tabi po. 
like as you walk. Have you ever heard of that? No, that's a first for me. Oh, oh yeah. And so like that. And then also if you throw things outside your window or something, you're supposed to say that. But essentially the reason why people do that is because you are asking all of the spirits who are there to step aside. You know, you're basically asking permission to cross through their territory. And to me, it's just like, it's just proof of how connected indigenous Filipinos were to nature because Mm. that's just part of their culture. You know, it's like, okay, we understand that there are spirits that live here. So we're going to make sure that we ask them to like step aside. And then if you don't do that, then you could like become really sick or they would like curse you and stuff. But otherwise they would leave you alone. Mm. I appreciate that as well. You know, the kind of animistic culture of our our indigenous people. And it really reminds you, or I guess it doesn't remind you because people don't relate to it, I think, in a way that just clicks automatically unless you do some like, you know, extensive research or talk to someone like Sapphire, who's an expert and can explain it in that way. But it really does stress the importance of, you know, retaining that connection that we have with the land that we're on and the nature that's around us. I think that that's something as a collective that we should all work to pay more attention to like now in the modern world as we move further and further away from that you know in in western culture at least and there's actually what I find truly fascinating is that you can find similar practices and similar spirits all over the world not just in the Philippines but also in Iceland I don't remember the name because of some it was like a wild Icelandic name, but I think the, the translated to the hidden folk. And mm. there is a belief there that there are small invisible people that live in some boulders. And like even today, there's like there was like one highway where there were trying to build through this like one really rocky area and there's a boulder that was just like right in their way and then the locals are like no you can't move that the hidden folk are in there and they're like no f you we're gonna like move Mm. it and when they moved it all this shit went down (laughs) so like all of their their tractors would break um people were getting in accidents and they're like okay Okay. we're gonna move it back and so they moved it back and so if you go there today the highway goes around this giant boulder (laughs) Oh, wow. That <laughs> yeah. is crazy. And I, to me, that says, like, there's got to be some truth to this. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that people all over the world believe that there's things. I don't know. I, I'm, because I, I also believe that there are spirits in everything, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and I think they're there to protect nature. They're there to, like, preserve what's here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. Sapphire, I appreciate you really just elaborating more on Filipino folklore. I never really looked into it because one, you know, I'm a scaredy cat in that way. And secondly, I liked your perspective of like, oh, I can get scared in a safe, like in a Mm -hmm. safe space. The way that I would explain it to people of like why I don't want to get scared, like on purpose is because it's like unnecessary drama for me. You know, it's like, I (laughs) like, I don't want to watch The Ring and (laughs) think that someone's going to crawl out of the TV. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't, I don't even have a TV. Like, that's how bad it is for me. Like, we literally don't have a TV at home. We have, like, we watch everything from our laptop and our phone mm-hmm. and like, whatever. That's just, and that, and cause we're just like cheap. We just don't want to get a TV. But well, yeah. That's why Samara from The Ring can still come through your computer mm-hmm. screen. If don't we were to come out. I think if she were to be released in 2020, she would be coming through a computer screen rather than a oh, TV. Oh, for any. sure. <laughs> even our yeah. phones, maybe. Yeah. yeah thanks, Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. No That's one's very saying. helpful. Think about that next time you're late working on your on yeah. your desk. 
<laughs> I, I will. And I will think of you, Nani. And thank you for that. So <laughs> well, you can stop um, by. remember that you're scared of a safe place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, but anyway, yeah. Oh, well, that reminded me, apparently, I forget where this study was. And I know like, okay, I'm not backing up my sources. But apparently, during this pandemic, people who are horror fans are more mentally prepared than people who are not mm. horror fans. Like there is a study. Whoa. Yeah. And the reason why is because people who watch horror or watch true crime, it's like you are in a way practicing for prepping your body for situations that you could be in in the future and then you know usually a horror movie resolves in a way that's like okay everything's fine everyone's safe whatever or if you watch true crime stuff you kind of learn okay how to protect yourself so it actually does psychologically help in a way like I, mm. I know that a lot because there's a lot of people who don't enjoy <laughs> being scared but for me just personally since I am so terrified of other things like I <laughs> I need to feel I need to like stress myself out <laughs> in some way so yeah. that I can have that like it's like an exercise and <laughs> you know just being prepared <laughs> I don't know if that makes yeah. any sense uh it makes a lot of sense to me because I also compare that to people that watch a lot of like law and order shows or like first 48 like crime shows mm -hmm. I feel like when they have run-ins with the law like in real life they're much more aware of kind of the process of what happens when you get arrested how to talk to the police how to you know basically navigate those situations where um, a lot of other people are you know have their rights essentially violated and they don't even know it um, until they've gone through a full experience of getting arrested, going to jail, having to go to trial, or at least go to court. Whereas people that watch those like first 48 type of shows are much more prepared to handle like run-ins with the police and stuff. So I think it makes a lot of sense in that same way in talking about, you know, times of crisis. Um, again, kind of like you use scary movies or scary stories as like to learn how to cope again. Mm. Totally. Yeah. And also just from doing my podcasts, from speaking to so many different people who have either had wild paranormal experiences or are spiritual healers of some sense, like part of why I used to be so terrified of being in the dark and seeing ghosts and stuff is because I didn't know much about it. So my imagination would be able to mm. run as wild as it wanted to. But now mm -hmm. I feel like I know so much about it and I also know how to protect myself. It's made me a lot less scared. Like I mm. used to be terrified of Ouija boards. And I know this is such a divisive thing because a lot of people are still like, oh, like don't mess with them. But <laughs> I know enough about it to know like, okay, I the actual physical object itself will not harm me. I know mm. that much. It's all like with everything, like any sort of magic or witchcraft that you deal with like it's always about intent you know so as long as I never use it in a way where I'm like intending to <laughs> summon some sort of demon or whatever <laughs> if that can happen like it's it's I'll be fine and <laughs> I also go. know how to protect myself too so I'm not as scared yeah anymore. <laughs> I like that I think I think um you know education um what do you call it like trumps all fear mm -hmm. right and that's really what you did is like 
you know, you mentioned that you're scared of so many things, but when, at least when it comes to the uh, paranormal, like you, you educate yourself to a level where it's like, oh, I could really dive in deep with this. And I could even practice some things knowing Mm -hmm. that even if it does come true, I still know how to protect myself. And all of that requires a lot of education and research and everything. and, And a lot of fun too, from what it sounds like. Yes, totally. Speaking of protection, I do want to shout out my my new uh, tattoo. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Show it to the camera to our YouTube watchers. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, podcast listeners, you can't see it. <laughs> so this is my first batok. Um, batok is like the traditional hand-tapped Filipino tattoos. Mm. And I got this two weeks ago from Manong Lane Wilkins. He's one of the few mamba batok in the entire world. And Mm. he right now is working out of his home in Las Vegas. So me and my cousins went over there and it's, wait, why did I bring this up? Oh, yes. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) yes. So part of the ritual and the ceremony of getting this is him getting to know you and asking you, you know, just about your life, your values and what you would like to honor with your marks. And I told him about my anxiety. I told him all the stuff. And he knows that I love ghost stories and the paranormal because I, I interviewed him for my podcast, which is how mm. I was introduced to him. Shout out to that episode. It's a, my favorite episode I've ever done. So if you want some really wild stories, listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that he wanted to honor like my spookiness in this too. And so mm. um, there's a lot of protective imagery in here. So um, if you can kind of see like it looks like a long snake. Wow. And this is because um, ancient Visayans, which is where my family's from, when they would travel by boat, they would carry these pythons on ship as protection. So, wow. I don't think he went. Yeah. And I, I wish I could see what you're showing us because this sounds <laughs> oh, right. No. My- <laughs> just uh, just go to um, go to Awkward Sapphire on oh, yeah, Instagram. <laughs> And okay. you will see photos of that. So yeah. yeah, but not right now because you're on this, you're on this. <laughs> so okay, yes. Sapphire, go ahead, continue. <laughs> All good. So ancient Visayans, when they would be on their ships, they would have these giant pythons with them as protections. Like if anyone came on board, I think they would like unleash it on them. I'm not sure. But so this is so it's a symbol of protection. Mm. But then also it's a curse. <laughs> so okay, basically, <laughs> these like dark triangles here at the bottom, these dark ones, those represent the top of crocodiles in the water. You know, mm. the crocodiles in the water, you see the little tips. So that's supposed to represent how my ancestors are always around and nearby, even if I can't see them. And then the open triangle, the ones like around it, those represent crocodile teeth. So basically, if someone tries to F with me, then my ancestors will jump out of the water and attack and protect me. I love Um, it. Yeah. So it's a curse for other people, but protection for me. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it makes me, it makes me, I know that's that's weird, but it, it does actually make me feel safe. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Sapphire and, and I don't, this might be a personal question. From what I saw on your Instagram, you had been wanting to get a Mm -hmm. tattoo like this for a very long time. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you recently had lost your grandpa Mm -hmm. and it sounded like that was a catalyst for you to get that tattoo. Am I, did I read that right? Yes, that is correct. So part of the ritual when you receive batok is that it's supposed to connect you with your ancestors. Mm -hmm. So the idea of this practice is that you are going through a ceremony that 
your ancestors before you had gone through and you're also wearing similar marks to what they've went through or mm. sorry you're also wearing similar marks to what they wore so it's also a visual connection to them as well and so knowing all of that and then after my grandfather passed I sort of felt this like stronger pull to be like oh I I think I want to receive this sooner because I want to be more connected to my grandpa because he is now you know my most recent ancestor mm-hmm. so, yeah Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And we're absolutely sorry for your loss. I know early on in the conversation, it sounded like he was the one that told you a lot of a lot of these uh, stories of of Filipino and even his own personal experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is the reason why I am doing everything (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I do today, because he was definitely a very gifted person. He had so many stories, so many experiences. Like I share a lot of them, but there's even more that like I it's too personal to share. But just like knowing them in my heart, I'm just like, wow, like my grandpa was truly a special person. And I don't know. It's it's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. No, thank you. Absolutely. For sharing that and answering Mm -hmm. my question. Nani, want to check in with you (laughs) as I always do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, again, so sorry for your loss. That's really rough. I also lost my grandpa in the last couple of years couple of years ago so still fairly new and he would be my also most recent ancestor as well and what inspiration for a tattoo I love Mm -hmm. the whole explanation I still haven't seen it yet because I don't want to mess up my wi-fi right now but I'm already thinking like I want to I want to get one of my own yes (laughs) yes you should and honestly like like now it's such a good time the ritual like what a cool cool story for a tattoo yeah yeah Nani, we got to go to Vegas. Yes. <laughs> when it come to Vegas it. with me. <laughs> do it, do it, do it, do Absolutely. it, do it. Oh my God. Do it. Yes, please. Oh my God. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Okay, it's 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 on air. So we, it's been said. It's been said. We're gonna, it's uh, a date. Gonna, I'm scared to get, I've never gotten a tattoo, but if I am going to get a tattoo, like that sounds like a great idea, like yeah. a great way to do it. Well, I've got too many tattoos now. I've got so many that I need to start covering some of them up. So this is a cover opportunity as well. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Sapphire, thank you so much for sharing that. And I've just, you know, I'm so glad to have you back on the show again. And I feel like you need to be like a reoccurring person on our show. I feel like I'm happy to be here again. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll be in touch. But until then, until then, you know, as we mentioned that this is a very special month, the Filipino American History Month, as well as it's Halloween. And I know this is very special for you in that sense, as we mentioned at the very beginning. So you have a show called Stories with Sapphire. Mm -hmm. And what I love about what you do, I mean, first of all, you're just a rock star and and I'm just again honored to have you on our show and and just be in your presence. What I what I most love, I just I love how people laugh when I just like and girl them. Like just take it in. No, I'm just kidding. But what I love about what you do with your platform, Sapphire, is that you don't shy away from your Filipino origins and your Filipino culture and ethnicity. I absolutely love that. And, you know, it's very common, I think, in our community to feel like we have to be colonized. We feel like we need to fit in and we need to whiten ourselves. And I just absolutely love that you embrace that and do that on your show. So with that said, in theme of Filipino American History Month, as well as Halloween and it being spooky month, I wanted to talk about maybe the top stories that you've shared on your show that you recommend, and and particularly Filipino folklore, that you recommend that our listeners listen more of and learn more of? Sure. I do want to say, though, in response to 
what you said about being basically unapologetically Filipino. I wasn't always like this. Mm. And I think I, this is me trying to make up for that. Mm. I I think maybe I mentioned this last time I was here, but and this is very common for a lot of Filipino Americans where you grow up not really caring about being Filipino or learning about what it Filipino history or our culture or being proud in it. I had the thoughts like I wish I was I had white parents like I had that thought as a kid and I'm sure a lot of other Philans did. But that was just because I wanted to fit in. I wanted like certain things to feel easier. (laughs) And yeah, this is just me now. I'm like, oh, like I am a Filipino American, so I'm Mm -hmm. going to embrace it. And I have so much more left to learn. Like for me, doing the podcast is also me learning about what it means to be Filipino. So it's like mm. you're on this journey with me. <laughs> yeah. Which I enjoy <laughs> doing. And what was your question again? Like what are some yeah, stories yeah, yeah. that well before we get into that, thank you for saying that because I tend to find that people who are very passionate about their culture and, and being unapologetically Filipino or Filipina is that it comes from a place or a time when they weren't, they weren't very proud. They mm-hmm. wanted to fit in. And the problem is, and I, this goes back to me in high school, when I remember my mom would give me papaya soap and try to whiten my skin. Mm-hmm. I, and I did sports, you know, I was like a track, track and field and cross country girl. So I was out you know, under the sun for hours. And my mom would always encourage me to use this papaya soap. And I remember there was a time where my skin started turning orange. Mm. And I was like, you know what, I can't change my skin, I might as well own it. Like, no matter what my mom says, no matter, you know, what she says about like, oh, don't be out in the sun, make sure you wear a lot of sunblock or wear long sleeves. Like this, this is my skin color, and I'm just going to embrace it. And I've done that ever since. And then the recent years, especially with this project, just like what you're doing with your podcast show, Sapphire, you know, we, like, at least for me, I've really been embracing my culture more now in this way, because it's like, if I try to do any other way, if I try to continue to be white, there's always going to be a part of me that's like, but wait, what about me? What about your mm-hmm. ancestors? And so, so I think it's kind of this internal, maybe like gut feeling or this calling to be like, Hey, you've tried all the other ways you've tried, col- <laughs> you tried being colonized, yeah. can't be colonized. You mm-hmm. might as well just embrace who you are. And so I just appreciate you sharing that little background for people who may be listening to your show for the first time. And they're like, Oh my gosh, she's so like into being Filipino. <laughs> it's good. To, it's good to have that backstory. Totally. And I think, but I, the, so the last show that I did, which was something scary, mm-hmm. while I did do a lot of Filipino and Asian centered stories, it also was very global. And that mm-hmm. also helped with the popularity of the show. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was doing, when I switched over, when I, I quit that show, because for lots of reasons. You can listen um, to episode 52 to learn more. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. I talked about it. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, so when I went independent and started doing stories of Sapphire, I, I don't remember if I was talking with somebody about this, but they were like, the reason something scary did so well is because it was so global. Like, you should mm-hmm. do the same thing. And I remember thinking, no, <laughs> wow. I just want to focus on Filipino stuff. I mean, I do mm. like because my listeners are all over the world, there will be, you know, a variety of stories, but a majority of what I talk about on Stories with Sapphire is Filipino because mm. that's what I want to learn about and it's what I want to talk about. And I feel like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't really care if I get the same audience as before. I don't want the same audience as before. I'm trying mm. to do something different. 
Yeah, love it. (laughs) Well, Sapphire, the next question I have for you is because you are incorporating more Filipino or you have incorporated Filipino folklore and stories Mm -hmm. into your show, Stories with Sapphire. Let's talk about maybe some of your favorite episodes that you've done, as well as maybe the top episodes that people have really enjoyed with the theme of Filipino folklore. Sure. So absolutely the episode where I speak with Manong Lane Wilkin, that is season two, episode three, and it's called Batok. It's just him sharing how he began his work as a Mamba Batok and all of the really creepy experiences that he's had while performing it Mm. on certain people. Because sometimes ancestors will show up, sometimes more nefarious entities have been possessing people receiving them. So that was a really cool episode. (laughs) Mm. And then I, uh, let's see, the one that came out on October 14th, which was the season three premiere, which is called Doula for Death. I interview a woman named Nita Gunkaiko. So she's my friend's mom and she's a psychiatrist and a medium. Like she doesn't like work as a medium, but she has the abilities. And so she talks about just like her perspective on death, which is really interesting Mm. because she's a woman of science, but then she also is like a psychic. So it's really cool. Yeah. And so she, I'm now realizing you asked about folklore and I'm just like, I don't think any of these really. Oh, that's okay. Any Filipino, any ones that you want to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lane does mention um, a couple evil spirits from Filipino folklore specifically that showed up. Mm -hmm. So that I highly recommend that episode. It's the best. It's going to make you want to get Batok for sure. (laughs) And then the Doola for Death episode, because she's just like a fascinating person. And let's see. Oh, and then I guess my very first episode. So season one, episode one, which is called Tales from My Lolo. So a handful of those stories are all from my family. Mm. So including my grandpa and then my mom's family and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And another question I have for you is if anyone wants to spook themselves this weekend, what are some stories that you recommend they look into? So there's this one story that I that literally changed me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it freaked me out. Like when he was telling me the story, I screamed because I was just like, that's so creepy. (laughs) So episode season one, episode five called Not of This World. The third story in that is the most wild thing I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even if you want to just fast forward to that part of the episode, I highly recommend listening to that. I also, I mean, if you like, if you want to spook yourself with some horror movies, what did I see recently? I recently watched Rosemary's Baby this last week, which I know is like an older movie, but it really holds up. Like it, <laughs> it was made in like the 60s. And you can really feel how Rosemary is being gaslit by everyone around her. And she just Mm. has like no agency. And I'm just like, wow, it like still resonates with women today. And I was just like, Mm. oh my God. Anyway, so that's it. That's my recommendation. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much for that. I, I just feel like as the unofficial residential paranormal expert here on our show, it's good to give those references and encourage people to look more into it. I think that, you know, for a lot of us, when we think about history, we think more about like the facts and figures and the wars or whatever happened, mm-hmm. immigrants like coming over and everything. But we don't think about the ghost stories. You know, we don't, I, at least for me, like I 
I don't go that route <laughs> or I, I've never really been exposed to that route. You know, my family was never really big on that. And so, mm. you know, for anyone that is looking to learn more about their culture, this is one way to do it. If you're into spooky stuff, like this is, this is one way to do it. Totally. Yeah. Um, in all of our families, I think we've all to an extent been exposed to a lot of superstition because that is, you know, really popular in Filipino culture. And so if you can look at it again, in the sense of like, uh, learning these stories as coping mechanisms for things that happen, you know, in day to day real life, then yeah. maybe it doesn't have to be so scary. <laughs> yeah. And actually, that reminds me, there's two things I wanted to share. And I don't know if either of you have heard the origins of these. But when I learned of this, it blew my mind. So, <laughs> you know how Filipinos point with their lips? Yeah. The reason why is because, you know, it's considered rude to point with your fingers. But the reason mm -hmm. why it's rude to point with your fingers is because you might be pointing at the spirits that you cannot see and they'll get upset. So you point with your mouth so that you don't have to use your hand. Whoa. Yeah. Fun. And no. then also, <laughs> so you know how Filipinos are always offering everybody food all the time? Mm -hmm. There's an old belief that if you look into the eyes of somebody who is hungry, that can create a curse on you and it'll make you sick. So oh people God. are always offering food so that nobody's hungry, so no one gets cursed. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Beautiful. See? Isn't that great? <laughs> so like, so now I have to feed everyone or I will get cursed. Good to know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's a great. good lesson to take away. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Sapphire, we've really enjoyed you on our show once again. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure being here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, before we go, is there anything else that you want to share, you know, in theme of Filipino American History Month or the fact that it's spooky month? <laughs> uh, no, I think I <laughs> said all the things. Squeeze it all out of you. We got it all. <laughs> yeah. We got it all, Nani. We did it. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, uh, Sapphire, thank you so much for joining us. And why don't you tell our listeners, if they want to learn more about you, how can they find you online? Yes, you can find me on... <laughs> I have a website, sapphiresendalo.com. That's where you can find, like, everything I do. But if you want to just learn more about my podcast specifically, you can go to storieswithsapphire.com. And I also do a live stream every Wednesday called Ouija Wednesday, where I interview somebody like a friend and we just talk <laughs> about spooky stuff. So um, yeah, if you're free on Wednesday nights, <laughs> that's perfect. <fun>. That's awesome. <laughs> and Nani, thank you so much for joining us. Any closing thoughts from you? Well, happy Halloween since it will yeah. be in when this comes out. And that is the spirit of this interview so happy halloween everybody oh yeah i forgot to say that happy halloween everyone <laughs> <laughs> and i, I just want to say uh, sapphire thank you for ending our series for filipino american history month i just knew that you were the perfect person to wrap up this month with and it's so Aww. funny because like nani and i really thought this month of that like oh we should bring on special guests and i'm just so glad that i was able to snatch you because i know that this is a very busy time so thank you again for oh making my God. time for us of course <laughs> yeah. So once again, to our listeners, thank you for being a part of just our education this entire month, talking to incredible
incredible people um, in theme of Filipino American History Month. And yeah, with that said, if any of you want to get a hold of us, remember that we have a phone number. You can either leave us a voice message or a text message, not not a like, don't expect us to pick up because we're millennials and we don't do that. Our phone number is 415-484-8329. Again, that's 415-484-8329. And you can learn everything that you need to know about us on our website with all the show notes, all the ways to contact Sapphire as well as Nani and myself at tfawproject.com. That's tfaproject.com. And with that said, thank you all so much for joining us. Happy Filipino American History Month. Happy Halloween. And we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Yay. Peace out.